Okay, we're going to continue our series uh, entitled The Battle for Our Emotions. And today we're going to talk about a topic that is very, very important. As a matter of fact, this could be one of the topics that causes the, arguably the most trouble in this battle for our emotions. Today we're going to talk about the topic of guilt. What is guilt? How should it be handled? What is inappropriate guilt? You know, if guilt is not handled properly or recognized properly, it can literally paralyze our lives. So let's begin today. Open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to begin right here talking about this matter of guilt. Hebrews chapter 10, if you've got your place there, let's have a word of prayer. And uh, then we'll look at this uh, very important topic of guilt and how to handle it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, now as we look into your word and as we prepare to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to give us, Father, I pray that you'll teach us what guilt is and the proper way to handle it. Lord, there are so many times in our lives when we are paralyzed by either false guilt or guilt that is not producing repentance in our life. Lord, we also have the tendency to, to be overly guilty when we allow the level of guilt to be out of proportion with the level of the offense. So, Lord, today, take your word, teach us, help us to learn. And, Lord, through this, may hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who hear this lesson get victory over inappropriate guilt and learn how to handle guilt the right way when it is appropriate. So, Father, speak to us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 10. Look with me, beginning in verse number 19. The Bible says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Now look at the next phrase. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Notice in verse number 22, the Bible says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Guilt is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, guilt is a biblical thing. Guilt is something that God gives to us to notify us that we are doing something wrong, headed in the wrong direction, involved in an action that could eventually hurt or damage our lives. It's almost like the pain sensors in our brain when we put our hand on a hot stove and our brain tells our hand to tell our body, that hurts, so that we will remove our hand 
before it's too late, before we burn ourselves severely and end up damaging our body. So guilt is kind of like that. Now, what we want to do today is we're going to look at two things. First of all, we're going to talk about the definition of guilt. What is it? And if we, a lot of times, if we don't understand what we're actually talking about, then we interpret how to handle it the wrong way. So what is guilt? And then second of all, we're going to talk about how to deal with it. So let's begin with the definition. What is guilt? Well, in the very strictest sense of the term, the word guilt literally means the violation of a law or a standard of conduct. The violation of a law or a standard of conduct. In other words, if the law says that I'm supposed to drive 35 miles an hour in a residential area, and I'm going 50 miles an hour in that 35-mile-an-hour zone, then I am guilty. Whether I feel guilty or not, I am still guilty because I have violated a law. Now, there are two types of guilt that we want to talk about in this definition of guilt, okay? The first is objective guilt, and then there is subjective guilt. Now, here's the difference. Objective guilt is basically guilt that is an objective fact. David was guilty of adultery. Whether he feels guilty or not, he is guilty. That's objective guilt. It is a, a statement of fact that I have broken a law or violated a standard of conduct that makes me guilty. Now, subjective guilt is the inner feeling we get when we use the phrase that we feel guilty. Now, subjective, because sometimes we feel guilty when we are not objectively guilty. In other words, we have false guilt. We feel guilty about something that, in essence, we really shouldn't feel guilty about because we haven't done anything wrong. But a lot of times, we have a tendency to feel guilty about stuff we don't need to feel guilty about. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. But let's talk, first of all, about four kinds of objective guilt. Okay? So there's four basic areas where guilt can come. First of all, there's legal guilt. For example, the driving 50 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. That, that's legal guilt. I've broken the law of the land. Number two, there's spiritual guilt. This is where I violate one of God's laws spiritually. Um, and this produces guilt. For example, in John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. She had violated one of God's laws, and she was guilty. There was no, there was no um, argument about it. I mean, she was actually caught in the very act of adultery. And we'll actually come back to that story in just a little bit. So there's spiritual guilt. Then number three, there's personal guilt. Now, what is this? This is where you and I set a standard of conduct in our own personal life, and then we violate it. For example, let's say that I set a standard of conduct in my life that says I'm going to get up every morning at 5.30 and walk on my treadmill for 30 minutes. And for about four or five weeks, I do great. Then all of a sudden, one day, I, I, I'm up late the night before, I happen to sleep in, I spend too much time in the bed, 
and I wake up too late. So I don't have time to get on my treadmill and walk my 30 minutes. And so I begin to have a feeling of guilt because I have violated my own personal standard of conduct. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a good guilt. It's appropriate, but we're going to talk about in just a minute the proportion of the guilt to the offense. Um, just because I missed my walk this morning, it doesn't mean that it should ruin my whole day because I feel depressed over the fact that I have missed my walk. Now, the guilt ought to be strong enough to make me work a little harder tomorrow morning to get up and make sure I still do it so that I don't get out of the habit of it. However, it shouldn't ruin my whole life, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then number four, there is social guilt. Have you ever pulled up to a stoplight and you've seen a homeless person standing there with a sign um, about, you know, homeless, need money for food, whatever? Or how about at Christmas time when you pass by those Salvation Army um, kettles that are collecting money for the needy? Or how about this? How about when the Girl Scouts are selling cookies and you've already bought 34 boxes of Girl Scout cookies because every time you walk into a grocery store somewhere or a Walmart somewhere, um, you've got these people that are these little girls sitting out there with their nice little um, sweet, innocent eyes asking you, would you like to buy Girl Scout cookies? Have you ever felt guilty because you didn't buy them? Have you ever felt guilty over some of that stuff? Well, I have. So there are, and that, that's what we would call social guilt. I haven't really done anything wrong, but socially I feel like I should have done something. Okay? So these are, are different types of guilt that we're going to be confronted with in our life. Now, number two, let's talk about subjective guilt. This is the, the part of guilt that goes with the inner feelings. I feel guilty about eating eight Krispy Kreme donuts yesterday morning. Okay, that, that's, I, I ate eight Krispy Kreme donuts, eight of them. Uh, not really, but suppose I did. Um, and by the way, when that hot donut signs on, I could probably eat about eight of them. But let, let's just say that I ate Krispy Kreme hot donuts yesterday, and now all of a sudden I feel guilty because I know I shouldn't have eaten that many donuts. All right? That's what we're talking about when we talk about subjective guilt, this inner feeling that I've done something wrong. Now, there's two types of this inner guilt that we need to talk about. One is appropriate guilt. What is the proper kind of inner feeling that tells me I'm guilty? And then there's an inappropriate guilt, an inner feeling of guilt that I shouldn't have, that this is the kind of guilt, this inappropriate guilt, that can paralyze me and really do damage to my life. So if you'll take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture here that will help us define appropriate and inappropriate guilt. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, look with me at verse number 8. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 8. Paul writes this, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter. Now, he's referring to 1 Corinthians. 
And if you know anything about First uh, and Second Corinthians, and you've read First Corinthians, you know that First Corinthians was a letter where Paul basically was reprimanding them for all these things they were doing wrong in the church. And so he says here, he said, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. He said, I'm, I'm not, I don't regret writing the letter because it needed to be written. There was a, a, a reason for it, and it was a good reason. But notice the next phrase, though I did regret it. So what are you talking about? What he's saying is, I don't regret writing it because it needed to be written. However, I do regret, I am sorry that it hurt you, that you had to go through this pain in order to learn the lesson. If I had it to do over, I would still write it, and I would still um, allow you to go through this pain, but I wish we could have done it without you having to go through the pain. That's what he's talking about, okay? So he says, even though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while, yet... Now I am happy. Why did he say he was happy? Okay, look at it. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. There's a difference in being sorry and being sorry to the point that it leads us to repentance, to change our mind and our action about something. Then Paul goes on to say, for you became sorrowful, as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Godly sorrow, but worldly sorrow brings death. Real quick, what's the difference in godly sorrow and worldly sorrow? Well, it's very simple. Godly sorrow or appropriate guilt causes me to realize I've done something wrong that God says is wrong. It's founded in a just cause. In other words, the guilt is justified. I've done something wrong. There's, it's a fact. I did wrong. God says it was wrong. And so I realize that. And, and that guilt creates sorrow. Inappropriate guilt or worldly sorrow says I'm sorry, but I'm only sorry because I got caught. I'm not really sorry that what I did was wrong. Matter of fact, a lot of times, I don't even think it was wrong. I mean, I have a right to do whatever I want to do, so I don't really think I was wrong. I mean, driving 50 and a 35, this is a four-lane divided road. Speed limit shouldn't be 35 in here anyway. I mean, I don't know why the speed limit's 35 in here anyway. I ought to have a right to drive 50 miles an hour in here. I think that's ridiculous. So that's not appropriate guilt. I'm just sorry I got caught. Because the next time I'm in there, I'm probably still going to drive 50 miles an hour. So, godly sorrow leads to repentance that changes us. The sorrow of the world, which is just, I'm sorry I got caught, the Bible says that leads to death. So, two things about appropriate guilt. Number one, it has a just cause. There is a reason why I'm feeling guilty, and that reason is justified. I ought to feel guilty. I've done something wrong. Number two... Appropriate guilt leads to repentance and change. Inappropriate guilt is what we often battle with. And that's what 2 Corinthians 7.10 calls worldly sorrow. Now let, let me mention to you real quick three things about worldly sorrow that can create false guilt and, and actually hurt us. Number one, 
Inappropriate guilt could be false guilt. What does that mean? There's no just cause for me to feel guilty. I've created this guilty feeling inside of me, but I've not really done anything wrong. There's no reason for me to feel guilty. You know, we do that a lot. Sometimes, you know, I've actually known people who felt like if they took a vacation, the whole time they were on vacation, they felt guilty because they had this unbelievable work ethic that says I ought to be working all the time and it's not right for me to to have a vacation or not to work while other people are working. Well, that's a false guilt. That's the type of guilt that can ruin our life. It paralyzes us and there's no just cause. There's no reason to feel guilty. Number two, there's unproductive guilt. Now, this is what we just talked about. This is guilt that does not lead to repentance. It's, it's guilt or a sorrow that says, I'm sorry I got caught, but I'm not going to change. That's an inappropriate guilt. And then number three, there's false guilt. There's unproductive guilt. And then there's unbalanced guilt. What is this? The level of the guilt is out of proportion with the level of the offense. In other words, I feel terrible that I ate all those Krispy Kreme donuts. But it shouldn't cause me to feel so guilty that for the rest of the day, I lay in my bed in a deep depression because I've eaten so many Krispy Kreme donuts. Now, physically, I may feel like laying in the bed for the rest of the day because I ate all those donuts and the sugar has rushed to my brain and I'm just in a crash over the sugar high I had. But the truth of the matter is, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done it. The guilt is justified. I I really ought to eat better. But the guilt shouldn't be at the level that it paralyzes me and puts me into a deep depression to where I can't even function. So that is an unbalanced guilt. Okay? And we all deal with that. Now, two things real quick about appropriate guilt and inappropriate guilt that are very important. Appropriate guilt is produced when one breaks God's law. In other words, appropriate guilt is brought about by God. The Holy Spirit produces that in our hearts. The Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 10 that if we offend, if we break the law in one point, we are guilty of the whole law. Guilty. So I'm guilty because I've broken God's law. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 that the transgression of the law is sin. In other words, when I break God's law, that's sin. You know, it's interesting, but quite often uh, we feel guilty about things that God does not say are wrong. The world might say it is. Um, Our friends might say it is. But God doesn't. And so we have to be careful about that. So appropriate guilt is generated by God through the Holy Spirit in the Scripture because we violated God's law. Inappropriate guilt is produced by man. Now let me read you some verses that show this. First of all, we're going to go to Colossians, and we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 20 and 22, and we're going to read what Paul writes here. Colossians chapter 2 verses 20 and 22. 
Paul says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use. Now listen to this. Because they are based on human commands and teachings. These are not rules that God laid down, Paul says. These are rules that are based on human commands and human teachings. They're quite often called traditions. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, we have a similar situation. And Jesus is speaking, but he's talking to the Pharisees. He says this in Matthew 15, beginning in verse 7. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You know, we have to be so careful that we do not allow the traditions and the pressures of human beings to create guilt in us that God never intended for us to have. Um, we won't get into all of this right now, but there are so many situations within modern-day Christianity where churches and organizations and people teach as doctrine traditions of men. And they make people or cause people to feel guilty if they do or don't do these things. It's, it's the classic list of do's and don'ts, that if you are a Christian, you should do this, you should not do that. And the truth is, a lot of those things are nothing more than rules made up and taught by men. And these are the types of things that create an inappropriate or a false guilt that can paralyze somebody. I have known people who have been Christians for years and will be a part of a church that is constantly telling them you have to do this and you can't do this. And if they don't do what they're supposed to, or if they do something they're not supposed to, they're criticized, they're made to feel like they're the scum of the earth, they're made to feel like they don't love God, even to the point to where sometimes they're even told, I don't even know if you can be saved if you act like this. That's inappropriate. It's wrong. And God never intended for it to be that way. And there are a lot of people just like that who have lived their whole Christian life and never experienced any joy in their Christian life because they feel guilty all the time over all these things that they're being told they ought to do. So, what is guilt? It is the violation of a law or a personal standard of conduct. Where does appropriate guilt come from? It comes from God. It comes from God's Word through the Holy Spirit as He teaches us how we're supposed to live from the Bible. Inappropriate guilt comes from man. It can be inappropriate because it's false guilt. I haven't done anything wrong. It can be inappropriate because it's unproductive guilt. I have done something wrong, but I'm only sorry that I got caught. Or it can be inappropriate guilt because it's unbalanced. I have more guilt than what I ought to have because of what it was I actually did. So, in closing, how do we deal with guilt? If, if it's appropriate guilt and inappropriate, how do I deal with it? Well, let me tell you this. The key 
to understanding how to deal with guilt is to understand forgiveness. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. In John chapter 8 and verse number 11, and let's turn there because this is where we're going to um, look at the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. And in John chapter 8 and verse number 11, actually, let's start up in verse number 9. Um, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now, you know the story. The Pharisees had caught a woman in adultery. I mean, there was no fact that she was guilty. It's not an argument. She was guilty. She was caught in the very act of adultery. So the argument here is not, why well, I didn't do anything wrong. She knew she had done something wrong. So this is not a false guilt. This is not an inappropriate guilt. We, we're hoping, as you're going to see in just a minute, Jesus makes sure it's not an unproductive guilt. Uh, and I don't believe it was an unbalanced guilt. I think the guilt met the level of the offense. But what has happened is Jesus, because these Pharisees wanted to stone her to death because she had done something wrong, he said, all right, any of you that has never sinned, you throw the first stone. Well, obviously, they had all sinned because we're all sinners. And so they all left one at a time, and that's where we are. In verse number 10, it's just Jesus and the woman now. Everybody else has left because they realized we're all sinners in need of forgiveness. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Jesus answered, he said this, Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. You know what Jesus said? I know you're guilty. I believe you understand that what you did was wrong. They don't condemn you anymore because they realize we're all sinners. Not one human being is better than another when it comes to sin. But Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was sinless. Jesus is the one who has the ability to forgive. In the passage where we started in Hebrews chapter 10, he is that great high priest that is interceding for us, that gave his life, and through his body that was broken for us, we can have forgiveness, which brings about a cleansing of our heart from a guilty conscience. He takes the guilt away. And so Jesus said, I do not condemn you. Even though you are objectively guilty, you committed the crime. You broke a law and a standard of conduct that God said you should not break. However, the guilt has brought you here, and here's how I deal with it. So how do we deal with guilt in our own life? Let me give you four things real quick. Number one, identify the cause. Is the guilt justified? What law or standard of conduct have I broken? Now, why do you do this? Because we want to make sure that this is not a false guilt. I, I want to make sure 
that I'm not feeling guilty about something I shouldn't feel guilty about. If I've done nothing wrong, there's no reason for me to feel guilty, no matter what anybody else says. So first of all, if you've got guilt that's bothering you, identify what the cause is. Is it justified? If you realize I've done nothing wrong, I've not broken God's law, I've not done anything that God would say is wrong, then the guilt needs to go away because it's false. Number two, once you've identified the cause and you realize, you know, I have done something wrong, then you confess your sin. The word confess just literally means to say the same thing as. So 1 John 1, 9, when the Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess there just simply means we agree with God that what we did was wrong. That's all it is. I agree with God that what I did was wrong. I should not have done it. And God then forgives us. So first of all, identify the cause. Confess your sin. Then number three, you've got to be confident by faith that God has forgiven you. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23, the passage where we started today, the Bible says we have a great high priest in the heavens, that is Jesus, he is interceding for us, and he is there through his blood to give us forgiveness and cleanse us from that guilty conscience. God said if you would confess your sin, he would forgive you. Somebody says, but I have done the same thing over and over. I have asked God a dozen times to forgive me for the same thing. Surely he can't just keep forgiving me every time I ask. Well, according to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, he will. Matthew 18, 21 and 22 is the passage where Peter asked the Lord, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, Peter, 70 times seven. In other words, what he was saying was, don't keep count. God always forgives us if we repent. Therefore, we should always forgive. So forgiveness is unlimited. And then finally, identify the cause, confess the sin, be confident that you are forgiven. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm, you know, I ask God to forgive me. It's another thing to, by faith, accept his forgiveness and not still walk around feeling guilty. If you've asked God to forgive you, he forgave you. So you've got to, by faith, accept that and let the guilt go. You can't walk around continuing to feel guilty if you've already asked God to forgive you. So you, you're confident by faith that God has forgiven you. And then number four, correct the problem. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse number 11, he said, neither do I condemn thee, but go now and leave your life of sin. He said, I'm going to forgive you, but I don't want you to go out and do it again. If you do, come back and I will forgive you. But I, I want you to change. That's repentance. I want you to change. Don't keep doing it. In Hebrews chapter 10, as we close, the passage of Scripture where we started, there's an interesting couple of verses here that I want to read to you. He talks about us having um, a great priest so that we can draw near to God, we can have our hearts cleansed and um, from a guilty conscience. But then he says this in verse 24, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, life is tough. 
And we're human, and we're tempted to sin, and we are going to battle guilt over and over and over again. And part of overcoming guilt, outside of identifying the cause, confessing it, and then being confident that God has forgiven us, it's the part of correcting the problem, of changing. And usually, we're going to need the help of our family and our Christian friends and our church family to encourage us and help us. And so let me challenge you here today. When people come into our class, when people come into our church whose lives are wrecked, they're a mess, maybe they don't wear the good, you know, the Sunday church clothes and maybe they don't understand about church. Maybe they don't understand the Bible. Maybe they don't know anything about the Bible. They may be drug addicts. They may be like this woman called an adultery. They may be in all kinds of trouble. But you know what they need to help them overcome their sin and their guilt? They need a group of people that love them. A group of people like Jesus that says, we don't condemn you, but we want to help you leave your life of sin. And so guilt, it's a good thing because it reminds us we've done something wrong when it's appropriate. Guilt when it's not appropriate, can paralyze and destroy our lives. And guilt that is not dealt with properly can destroy our lives. So my friend, if you're here today and you have been eaten up and depressed because you've got this guilt inside your heart, there's one of two things to do. If the guilt is justified, then let's confess it. Be confident that God has forgiven you. And let's get about correcting the problem, and we're going to help you. We all need that help because we all got problems to correct. If the guilt is not justified, if you haven't done anything wrong, then accept the fact that God accepts you the way you are. And don't allow false guilt to paralyze your life and rob you of the joy that God intended for you to have. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength in the book of Nehemiah. My friend, don't let guilt rob you of your strength, which is the joy of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have to know that our sins can be forgiven when we repent and confess. Lord, thank you that Jesus, through his sacrifice, takes away our sin. So, Lord, please help us today. If there's anyone battling a guilty conscience. May they confess their sin and correct the problem with your help and the help of their Christian friends if the guilt is justified. And Lord, if it's false guilt, give them wisdom to understand that and to know that you love them and not to allow guilt to rob us of our joy. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.